Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit us on our social networks at Facebook and Instagram is at the Metal Pit. And we're on YouTube at the Metal Pit 666. And of course, you can check out our website, www.themetalpit.org, where we have album reviews, live show reviews and interviews and all that normal stuff. But this podcast is where we mostly talk about classic metal albums. My name is Blake, and I'm the host of the show and the runner of the website, I guess. I mean, runner of the website. I myself live in Canada and have run the metal webzine for many years. Our current version of the site is coming on three years old. This podcast is the way to revisit some of these classic metal albums that I never get to talk about because don't have that many metal friends that live close enough to me. Today, I'm joined by two of my American friends and writers for the website, Tom and Eric. How are you guys today? Blake, Blake, very good. How about yourself? Good. Eric, how are you? Hey there. I'm doing excellent, Blake. Looking forward to this podcast with you and Tom. Okay, we got Tom's in Milwaukee, Eric's in Virginia, I'm in Ontario, Canada. Not that it really matters where we are. So today we're going back to, well, this is our oldest album we've done so far, of course. We're going back to 1970 and one of the pioneers of heavy metal music with, of course, Black Sabbath. And their second album is Paranoid, which is the one we're doing. And it's also their second album in that year since their debut album also came out in 1970. And since that did so well, they thought we better make another album. It's really different than what they do nowadays. When they take five years between albums. Let's see. Uh now I'm not bio for Black Sabbath. I mean, if you don't if you don't if you listen to heavy metal, you probably know who Black Sabbath is. And if I wanted to do an in-depth bio of Black Sabbath, it would take a few hours to go through all the singer changes and leaving and coming back and reunions and all that jazz. <laughs> so we won't get into that. And we could also talk for about an hour about all the different drugs they probably use too. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so simply, this is Paranoid, the second album, like I said, with, if anybody doesn't know, Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Tony Iommi on guitar, Geezer Butler on bass, and Bill Ward on drums, which I guess is your classic Black Sabbath lineup for the first, I don't know, seven, eight albums. I didn't really make a note of that. <laughs> they were formed in 1960. 1968 and they have 19 studio albums to their credit now this is kind of a debate tom doesn't like calling some of the black sabbath albums black sabbath albums and we'll maybe get to that later <laughs> so let's first start with tom where did when did you you're a little little bit older i'm not going to mention yeah you yeah unless you want oh, to. i don't mind i'm <laughs> 60 i'm born in 63 um yeah, so I believe my first recollection of uh, Paranoid would be somewhere around when I was in fifth grade. So I would say somewhere 74-ish. That was a by chance encounter. I was at a friend's house and he had an older brother uh, by a few years. 
and he had all these really cool records and a huge stereo system and that's really where i first heard um paranoid from sabbath first song i heard was war pigs he had he had it playing and it just caught my ear with the with ozzy singing you know all alone and then the the, the rest of the band joining in so that was my first i guess listen uh or the first time i ever heard sabbath so it was probably somewhere I was now 11 years old, 74, maybe something like that. I didn't buy it. I was more into like school music, like in my, my school band music. Um, mm -hmm. But it didn't take long. A few years thereafter, when I started to explore like hard rock and I, I don't we didn't I don't think we even called it metal back then. Heavy metal music It was just like a different it was a little harder than like some of the Aerosmiths and Ted Nugent's, maybe something like that. Yes. Um, yeah. So then it was a few years after that, but it was still in the seventies when I when I purchased um, Paranoid. And uh, one thing that stands out to me about the album is I'm a drummer. So War Pigs was the very first song I ever drummed along to. So Bill Ward to me is like a really cool kind of an influential guy. So I really like Bill a lot. So that's in a nutshell how I even became aware of black sabbath this is a friend's brother okay and eric when now you're a little younger than both of us both of me and tom so when did you first discover black sabbath or this album so i discovered sabbath i want to say in seventh grade uh, i've got an older sister that listened to all sorts of hard rock slash heavy metal music she would have the uh, deep purple on maybe leonard skinner um Black Sabbath, uh, Maiden, um, you know, some of the, uh, some of the older stuff, um, you know, I, yeah, I would say seventh grade and I want to say Iron Man's one that stayed with me. I can't say for 100% certain that was the first song that I heard. That is the second song I learned on guitar. I've been playing guitar for 30 years. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was one of those songs I just had to learn how to play right. and, I remember seeing the video for for Paranoid, and uh, yeah, I was I was pretty hooked. You know, I was like, "What are these guys up to?" And I got to give a quick shout out to my first bassist, uh, Dan Radford. He really kind of it felt like he kind of pushed Sabbath on me, but I I was like, "Hey, man, feed me more albums, feed me more of their music." Yeah. And uh, I I loved everything I heard. So I was <laughs> we were listening to them, and we you know have some friends over in my first band, and we'd be partying, and you know, Sabbath was always in the mix somewhere so um cool. yeah started with them pretty early on okay nice. well well for me i don't act i don't really remember because because <laughs> uh as people will learn in this podcast i'm not really that much i'm not that big of a fan of black sabbath i mean they have some great i think they have great songs all through out different singers well not all the singers but some of the singers but i just don't none of their albums are really high on my list of favorite albums or whatever so I do remember, I think I remember hearing Paranoid on the radio before I ever would have heard anything else. I think I do remember hearing Paranoid, but I got into like Iron Maiden and uh, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin and Judas Priest probably before I even heard Black Sabbath, actually. 
not counting maybe paranoid on the radio, but I mean, for mm-hmm. buying albums and stuff, because I was in high school. So I would have been whatever, 16 or something. So this is 1982, maybe. But the janitor, I was on another podcast. I mentioned this, but janitor at the high school liked heavy metal. So he sold me heavy <laughs> metal albums. So I have four. I was just looking through my vinyls and four of my Black Sabbath albums still have my the janitor's name on them because he wrote his nice. name album cover. Wow. So That's a cool story. Where I first got their it album is. was from him. <laughs> but I also got like Merciful Fate album from too. So it was at the same time. And I like Merciful yeah. Fate better. So that's just kind of how that went. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. The King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so let's get, to, we'll talk about, we'll get talking about, oh, excuse me, the album Paranoid. I don't really have much else to say about the bio. Like I said, we can talk about some stuff about that after. Let's start with War Pigs. And Tommy already mentioned yeah. it kind of, but you can go on about it again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, I still play it a lot to this day. And I just, you know, they've, they opened with it, I believe, on their last tour. And they, they had a history of opening uh, with War Pigs. I saw, fast forward to 1980. Uh, Sabbath with Ronnie singing, they opened with War Pigs on that tour, the Heaven and Hell tour. So War Pigs to me is one of my favorite Sabbath songs. It has remained that way. I have a sentimental attachment to it because of the drum thing. Um, so it's just a great song. I love the uh, the hook in it. It's just great. It's just a great song. Love it. Eric? Yeah, it's a, it's a you know, it's a slow burn until uh, Ozzy enters the fray and uh, man, he just takes all of that microphone and just, he owns it. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's one of Ozzy's finest performances, especially early on in, uh, in his Sabbath career. Um, it's a, it is an anti-war protest song. Uh, I recently re- read that it was influenced by the Vietnam war. Um, but there is some stellar guitar work, obviously Bill Ward, geezer Butler. I mean, everybody, everybody crushes it, but um you know, bah, now. Bah, bah, bah. I mean, love, you know, playing that, jamming it out. Um, yep. There's, there's nothing to, there's nothing to nitpick at with this song. It's, it's definitely, it's one of my, like Tom said, I haven't really kind of thought about a full circle, but it is definitely one of my favorite Sabbath songs as well. Now I, I like this song too. And uh, actually they were going to name the album more pigs. But their uh, label didn't thought it might get some backlash because of the Vietnam War. So that's why they called it Paranoid instead, since that was their first single from the totally, album. Yeah, totally great lyrics uh, that Geezer came up with with, the, with these. It applies to today's <laughs> uh, yes. uh, situations really in the world that he can apply it to the current times. Now, I actually know the song more because Faith No More <laughs> used to cover it live, or I had a live Faith No More uh, VHS, I think, <laughs> and they did a version of War Pig. So I think I knew it more from Faith yeah, No right. More actually before I really heard Black Sabbath do it, I think, yeah. actually. It's a song when you play in your car and you have, you have your windows down a little bit, it carries a little bit, and people know what that song is. And it's funny, oh, eight, hey, it's, it's like an eight-minute song, and it's an eight-minute <laughs> opener, which is a little yeah. bit strange, totally, especially yeah, right. for back mm-hmm. in 1970, especially. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then we go to the Paranoid, which is under three minutes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess up-tempo, the, the single, yeah, so. more of an up-tempo tune. That's a song that, in uh, here in my area, the upper Midwest of the States, that's the song that got the majority of the airplay from that, from that mm-hmm. record, more than Iron Man. 
um, because it was more suitable to work to radio. It was, uh, like I said, more up-tempo and it was a shorter song that you could um, get to it more easily. So yeah, that's that's like, maybe that's a signature. I think Oz used to say, hey, this is my signature song whenever he was doing his solo stuff. And I don't know if he really you know, felt that way all the way through his career, but that's the song that was, uh, you know, reserved for encores and things like that. So yeah, that's the most noteworthy. Well, I'm song. sure it's the easiest one for him to remember <laughs> yeah. since it's less than three minutes long. <laughs> yeah, he needs that. Eric, and you like, I know you like the song too, of course, you just said. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a short and a direct song. Uh, the guitar and bass pulsate, you know, the eighth note rhythms. Um, it's, it's a fun song. As you both touched on, it's a very short song, but it's a, it's a great choice for the, the second track. You know, it kind of, it's almost like the, uh, I guess, the yang to war pigs yin, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Then we get to Planet Caravan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Eric, you go first on this song then. All right, well, I guess, you know, when you talk about Planet Caravan, you know, does somebody have a lighter handy? <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> such a uh, chill song. Um, you do have to wonder what the band was doing at the time when they wrote it. But I got to say, um, <laughs> the effect that they used on Ozzy's voice was very unique. And really added to the uh, to the atmosphere of the song, um, you know, Bill Ward's percussion. I'm sure Tom can attest to this. Yeah. It's ideal. It, it's very fitting for the song. Um, and then Iomi's like, I'm not a big jazz guy, but Iomi has these nice little jazzy licks with that outro solo. It's uh, it's pretty tasteful. Um, it's it's a cool song. I've always liked it. I know some you know metal fans aren't really down with it. Um, I like the song. I like Pantera's cover as well. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah um, it's a little bit different. I don't usually play it, but it fits in <laughs> with the times. And I think that that lighter reference you made over there, Eric, I think that's half of what was used <laughs> when they came up with this song. The lighter was <laughs> along with some other material, perhaps. Yes, um, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but the, uh, Sabbath has always had these unusual little um unique little more instrumental instrumentally geared uh, tracks um throughout their whole career. It got a little weird at at some points in time, but this one isn't too bad and good point on you know the Ozzy's voice how they kind of moved it into the song a little bit. So I don't I don't play it, but uh I don't dislike it. Well, my 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 comment was snoozer. That was my first word that I put down. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but I did read the band wasn't sure they even wanted to release it because they thought, should we really release this? <laughs> but then they yeah. decided that they would. And but yeah, I would never. It's goofy and weird. It like, is. Yeah, it is weird. And yes, they have other weird songs on other albums because I was, sure do, <laughs> but whatever. So yeah, it's kind of unnecessary probably for yeah. <laughs> whatever. Okay. Then we go to Iron Man yeah. and Tom, I guess can go first. Yeah. Um, just uh, an iconic riff, you know, by Tony, the sound of it. That was, you know, from Tony's, the way he had to play after his accident when he was at the foundry. Um, 
that tells you all about it right there. That that's the sound. That's the sound. That sound wouldn't have happened if he hadn't had that accident. Um, so that's what you remember it as. And then you know the distorted I am Iron Man, that that's that thing. Um, but just you know, it's one of those classic riffs that is gonna be most remembered in metal. You know, smoke on the water, Iron Man, Highway to Hell, all those. So yeah. it, it ended up being a, a legendary riff that we all remember. When you hear that, you know what song it is almost immediately. So that's that's a pretty good job by a band on their second record. Yes. Eric. So Eric, guitarist, unite. This is <laughs> one of the most legendary guitar riffs ever written. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... It's, I, didn't, I didn't really make too many more notes on this one, but I actually like some of the instrumental sections within the song um, where they kind of go into this kind of groove where it's not really melodic. It's almost kind of like bluesy and kind of dark. Um, and then they have that, I would call it like a bridge, um, but it, it leads up to, uh, to the solo section um, where they're basically, they're just, they're vamping on that, uh, and C, and they're just going right up the um, uh, blues scale. And it's it's a great, it's a cool riff. And they they repeat it just enough. I want to say it occurs three different times in the song. But uh, Ozzy sounds great as always. Um, it's funny, um, during my kind of ridiculous list that I, I shared with uh, you guys, I don't know if you saw it on our Facebook writers page today, but I was I was feeling a little bit bonkers and I did a shuffle <laughs> of just about all the Ozzy and Dio Sabbath releases. Um, and yeah, that was changes I skipped. I've never <laughs> been fond of that one. I just it's never done anything for me. Yeah. But Iron Man came Iron Man came on and I said, should I skip it? And I was like, no. I said, I gotta just keep keep it driving. I was like, we're gonna be talking about paranoid. Give me more, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great tune. It's, yes, yep. the radio has, like has abused that song and Paranoid, but they're still excellent songs. I can't take anything away from them. Uh, sure. appar apparently, this song was first going to be called Iron Bloke. I guess okay. Ozzy heard Tony Iommi playing the riff, and he said, that sounds like an Iron Bloke walking around. Yeah. But then when Geezer wrote the lyrics, he called it Iron Man instead. <laughs> Wise interesting. Choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good nugget, Blake. Yeah. Now, would, yeah. That, yeah, would that have mattered? Would we be talking about that song if it was called Iron Bloke? <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> that, probably that first <laughs> intro probably wouldn't really work well with that word. Probably. <laughs> right. so, yeah. Anyway, now we go to, I guess that'd be end of side one, right? It wasn't in on yeah, that. Yeah. And we go to Electric Funeral, which I think this song's been covered a lot by bands over the years. But what do you think, Eric? So this is this is actually one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, I, I don't know why I only I wrote one sentence about it, but it's just that wouldn't wouldn't eerie guitar riff to open the song like he opens. He has the full gain on and then he kicks on the wah wah, which as like as a guitarist and as a listener i'm kind of picky about but it's just perfect use of the wah it's man it's creepy and then ozzy comes in with his some of his earlier kind of doom metal kind of vocals um the middle section is unexpected 
I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, is this a different song? But, you know, they, they changed it to up-tempo and it has this kind of like bluesy vibe to it, but it works really well. And uh, Ozzy's kind of wailing away. Iommi's doing some of those unison bends and then boom, they bring it right back down after a nice solar section and kick right into that creepy riff again and uh, just close it out so strong, man. I, I love that song. Um, yeah, and I did see like you you had mentioned Blake. Yeah, there are a lot of bands that had covered it. I didn't I didn't count them up, but I did see that actually earlier uh, today. But what a great song, man! Just very powerful, pretty dark lyrically. Great song, now probably underrated. What do you, I don't know what you guys think. I, I feel like that's one that they don't play that one a whole lot live. Uh, maybe they did way back in the day, but um, I think I've only seen them perform it one time. I want to say, um. When I think of this song, I think this is the most appropriately titled track on the album. Because I remember when I was younger, young when I was listening to this album, I finally actually bought it. The song was kind of creepy to me, actually, in the beginning portions of it. I thought, yeah, that's an electric funeral, right? I just I just <laughs> thought that just the sounds of, of that song, I thought, yep. And I didn't really want to play it too much. <laughs> I just didn't. I like the song, but I just thought, yeah, that sounds like what an electric funeral would be like. I think that it just fits. It fits. The title fits it so well, especially the beginning parts, the earlier, the first half of that song. Um, but it's not, it's, I don't, when I put this album on, I don't, I just, maybe a shorter attention span is what I have, but I like the beginning. I love all those sounds that they make. They're really cool. It's a good song. And then we, I'm not going to say much about it because uh, you've already covered it. Uh, then we got Hand of Doom. This song was conceived after the band had observed a growing number of U.S. soldiers arriving in England from the Vietnam War in the late 60s with severe drug addictions so I guess Black Sabbath joined them. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Or at least Ozzy did. I'm not really sure about all that. Well, so, but anyway, so the song kind of paints an unflattering picture of hard drug yeah. use. Yeah. And I think Geezer wrote the lyrics to all the songs, didn't he, back then? Yeah. I believe yep. he did yep. anyway. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But the music right. for the song was credited to the entire band. So, Tom, what do you think of Hand of Doom? I like the title. But yeah, I do too. It's, yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's for me. It's a little bit of a boring song. Um, there's a lot of there's there's a lot there. It's too long for my tastes. Um, it's uh, if there is such a thing, it's probably my least favorite track on the album. Um, I never play it. Uh, <laughs> I've heard it, of course, but there's just it's it's it didn't really appeal to my ears too much. As I hate to, I hate to say that, but it's just kind of the way that it is. <laughs> That's all right, Eric. What do you think then? Seven minutes, the song actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, this is uh, one of Geezer Butler's best bass lines in my book. Um, while it is on the mellow side, at least the verses are pretty quiet and tempered. Um, the chorus just crushes through with these power chords. And uh, Ozzy ramps up the intensity as well. Um, that's really what sold me on this song. I mean, the, the bass line, I love it. Bill Ward's got a nice like vibe going there on the kit, like he always does. Um, 
But then that chorus part just comes in and you can almost feel like a little bit of like pain that Ozzy's going through. It's like, it's almost like he's kind of channeling what some of these uh, soldiers have gone through and they've ended up getting hooked on, you know, drugs. And you hear that line, you push the needle in. It's like, wow. It's like, it really hits you. You know, it, it does. But um, I, I actually, uh, this, this is actually another excellent song in my book. Um, I don't want to put any spoilers out there, but, you know, Paranoid is extremely consistent in my book as far as Black Sabbath goes. And then we get an instrumental called Rat Salad. I do have to say one thing here. I like the song titles better than I do the song. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but this is an instrumental. And yeah. I know about Tom, you mentioned Bill Ward's drumming. And there's that's oh. very evident in this instrumental. It kind of reminds Bill, me yeah. of Led Zeppelin, Bonzo's mantra thing, where the drummer is the main part of the song, really, the instrumental. So what do you think of Rat Salad? It's okay. I love Bill, of course. Bill's Bill will tell you, I'm a swing drummer. I'm a jazz drummer. That was his main influences. And this album has jazz and swing written all over it. It's Bill's it's Bill's style, actually, uh, except he hit harder. Um, and you can feel that, those grooves through this, this little quick instrumental portion of the album. Uh, but yeah, Bill, Bill's, uh, he's, he's got a jazz feel to him. Always did. Even on, you know, the songs like war pigs and iron man, he's got a jazz feel. And that is what I feel through this song. So it's another one of the songs that is decent, but I, I just go right into fairies wear boots <laughs> actually. Um, so yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I like, I like the, I'm a big Bill Ward fan, so I can listen to it all day long. I still I still find it surprising that groups even back then did instrumentals, so it's kind of yeah. interesting. But uh, Eric, what did taking. you think? What did yeah, you think, you Eric? Kind of to just take on uh, add on to what you were saying there, Blake. It was a bit of a risk take, uh, you know, risk taking endeavor. Um, of course, the first album has some instrumental sections too, but this entire song is an instrumental, and um, yeah, it's definitely as Tom said. You know, I don't want to echo what you guys are saying, but you all are definitely are, are really spot on where there's definitely this, you know, jazz fusiony vibe to it. I would even add some blues elements too. Um, I thought about this not too long ago. Um, listening to some Hendrix back in the day, I, it feels like it's something that, I don't know, it's like almost kind of like a Hendrix kind of on steroids and maybe a little bit of Zeppelin, just a slight pinch of Zeppelin influence. But it really displays Butler, Iommi, and Ward's uh, capabilities on their instruments. And um, yeah, yeah I, I really enjoy yeah. the song. Um, yeah, it's, it's another, another good tune. And I, I'm only, the only thing is, my only kind of downer here is I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sad that I didn't get to lead this one because I was going to say cue Tom for the drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> this whole album is filled with great drum fills, man. Oh, my God. Just is. Yes, I could, I could, I could see air drummers like in this album, oh, yeah. oh, and real drummers too. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's yeah. prominent. It was actually prominent. Like, I mean, my, I mentioned Led Zeppelin. Like, drumming seemed like it was more prominent back in the early days of bands, more so than it is now. Sometimes, even though it's still there, of course, but yeah. it just seemed like it kind of led some songs off. Come sometimes, yeah. and we get to the last track, which. Well, we know it as Fairies Wear Boots, but also in the original album, it was called Jack the Stripper slash Fairies Wear Boots. I don't really understand yeah. 
what that's about. <laughs> but I will say this is actually my favorite song on the album. <laughs> Evidently, probably because of the weird lyrics and how it's Ozzy's going off. Now, actually, in the doc- 2010 documentary of the classic album series, and they did Black Sabbath Paranoid, uh, Geezer stated that Ozzy wrote the lyrics to this song or at least some of the lyrics, after a group of skinheads in London called him a fairy because of his long hair. <laughs> oh, man. But he, he, Butler also said that Ozzy kind of goes off on tangents when he writes lyrics, which is probably why he doesn't write that many lyrics, or back then he didn't write that many lyrics. And he went on about LSD, and that's what Ozzy said the song was about, was LSD. <laughs> so, what do you, Eric, what do you think of Fairies Wear Boots? Well, you've got it. You've got it. Yeah, the, the song title is interesting right out of the gate. And then you have that pretty cool Iomi using some really cool delay effects. Um, you know, the rest of the band kind of comes in. And uh, man, it really, the song showcases Iomi's guitar talents. But how about that shuffle by Sabbath? They just yeah, really man. pick up that tempo, man. That's a really cool kind of clever way to uh, to bring in the uh the vibe of the song you know that verse yeah um but yeah it's it's a really good tune and um yeah i, I like the song i probably like the song equally as as much as you guys um i always seem to kind of gravitate towards some of the more i guess um unheralded songs so like your electric funeral and your <laughs> kind of hand of doom like those two i, I could listen to a lot but Fairies Wear Boots is, is a nice closer, man. I definitely oh, yeah. definitely dig that one. And Tom? Yeah, second favorite song on the album. Uh, next to War Pigs are similar in a way with the drums and the drum fills. And uh, so that's good by me. Um, I just love Bill Ward and he, he just, that shuffle that Eric was talking about. That is so awesome too. I really love that. Brings it up almost like an up tempo feel to it in a, in a manner and it's just the great way to end the album it makes the album kind of like flow better i think if you have you have a high point to begin with a high point in the middle and a high point at the end um which is more conducive to listening to the entire album and those albums weren't very long you know lengthwise in those days i don't know what this time's out at but i would think it's less than 45 minutes yeah i think it's 42 minutes i think oh okay yeah so it's easier to listen to the whole album just put it on just put it on let it play through <laughs> Um, yeah, this I love Ferris Wear Boots. I still, if if I get a chance, I'll play it on a jukebox at an establishment every now and then, and uh, just enjoy it. So I love the song, just love it. I don't know if if they were releasing this song today, if people would be not happy with the title. I'm not sure. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to probably. <laughs> you'd have to maybe change up a couple things about that. Yeah, definitely, definitely so. even, though, even though the title doesn't really say anything bad, fairies no, wear boots. Then, I don't know. No, no. say fairies wear boots and shoes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about this album I will mention: in 1974, a nurse in North Yorkshire was found dead between a pair of speakers <laughs> and holding the Paranoid album in her in her arms or it was on her turn to it was still playing or something i don't know she overdosed on sleeping tablets so Jeez. that was probably the first controversy we had about a group causing somebody's death which yeah, of course right, right. it didn't really cause her death she just like black mm. 
and she had whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. Never heard so it. that Never is the end of the album. So we're gonna rate this album. Let's go with Eric yeah. first at a ten. What would you give the? Yeah. What would you give this album at a ten? This album is easily a ten out of ten for me. The, the, the Godfather is a metal. I mean, this is. I love the first album. You'll hear how much I love that album coming up. But you know this. This album is spot on, 10 out of 10. I enjoy every song. I don't skip any of the songs at all. I listen to it beginning to end. I actually had it on shuffle with the other set, uh, Ozzy albums and Dio. But then I said, yeah, I'm going to just start it from beginning to end. So 10 out of 10 for me, Blake. Uh, nice. Okay, Tom, what do you think? Uh, I love the album as well. I don't think I've ever given a 10 out of 10 to anything. And that's just a weird, quirky thing on my part. But I give this a solid 9 out of 10 rating. It's great music, musically, musicianship-wise. And you don't have to strain to listen to Ozzy's voice. He's a young guy back then. Great <laughs> lyrics. Overall, excellent album. Okay, well, for me, I'm only giving it a six. Boy, oh boy. Oh, Blake. It's not really. What are we gonna, what are, Tom, what are we going to do with Blake? There's too many. Uh, we'll have to, yeah, I it's don't know. it's okay. too slow for my taste, this stuff. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, okay let's talk about uh, live, seeing the band live. I'll go first since I've probably seen it the least. I've never seen Black Sabbath live. I saw Heaven and Hell, which, of course, was Dio, Iomi, Butler, and... Vinny a PC was he the drummer? I forget. I'm sorry. What to heaven and hell? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Vinny played on the heaven and hell tour, which I saw. Okay, so that's probably uh, Bill, might, Bill might have started that tour out. Okay, Vinny, Vinny was hired and he had a short period of time to learn the set list. Um, but I saw him in Milwaukee and that was the heaven and hell tour with Blue Oyster Cult 1980 October 9th riot at the arena that was with Dio you said Ronnie it was the heaven and okay. hell tour so yeah. you never did you so you never saw Ozzy with Sabbath or you did no I did no. not okay. no and uh, did you ever see Ozzy on his own yeah I've seen Ozzy I saw Oz with a motorhead in mm -hmm. 81 so it was real really actually still part of the blizzard of oz tour. Mm -hmm. so oh, that, that's nice. that's a, yeah yeah wow so, so you got to see that, randy yeah. yes i've seen randy wow. three times with oz and spectacular but that also motorhead opening that was the three main guys fast eddie filthy phil and lemmy i saw those three guys with ozzy they open for us. Yeah. So yeah, I saw Randy three times. The last time I saw him was about three weeks before the plane crash. Hmm. Okay. Now, Eric, how many, who, what have you seen, I guess, for the live stuff? I saw, I've seen Black Sabbath twice with Ozzy. I've seen um, Ozzy solo four times. And then I did see the heaven and hell with, uh, Ronnie James Dio was it 2010 it was I want to say I saw him like it's kind of hard I want to say I saw him maybe yeah. a couple months before he uh before he yeah, left right. us but I felt pretty lucky I mean I saw them with 
it's funny. You, you think back to your more nostalgic, your earlier years, but I feel like the, the tour with, and I'm a huge Ozzy. I like Ozzy and Dio, uh, both. Um, but yeah, the, the Dio, Dio's voice was so powerful. I was blown away yeah. that at his age, he still sounded incredible. So Judas Priest's sound was better than Heaven and Hell's, but Heaven and Hell's set list destroyed Priest. So yeah. uh, it, was, it was quite a show. I was, I was stoked. It was, a, it was an amazing show. Yeah. So the other times I saw um, Sabbath slash Heaven and Hell. So I saw Heaven and Hell tour mob rules tour i saw the born again tour and i saw dehumanizer tour and i i well i saw like when tony was playing with cozy paul and tony martin i saw cross purposes and i saw forbidden that tour i think that's it i think so wow (laughs) there might be one or two more yeah, I forgot about it. I'm glad you mentioned, Tom. I'm glad you mentioned Dehumanizer. So I yeah, yeah I did yeah, see. Yeah. See, he got canceled. I, I told Blake this before. So him and Ingbe, I was so psyched up to see the show in oh. 1990. And uh, at uh, George Mason University, they were going to be playing at the Patriot Center. Well, apparently they didn't sell enough tickets. So we're in the parking lot and one other car drives up to us. And they're like, hey, you, you didn't hear? They canceled the concert. So. I was pretty shocked, but since you mentioned Dehumanizer, I yeah, did catch yeah. that tour. So I guess I've seen him yeah. one Sabbath, Sabbath one extra time, then three times. Yeah, that yeah. was ninety two. Ozzy's ninety two. Yeah, yeah, and Ozzy's been great every time I've seen him. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't speak. You know, he hasn't been able to speak that clearly over the years, but yeah. he somehow is able to belt it out, and he sounds good. Uh, <laughs> he looks silly out there, but he, he's still getting people putting their hands, clapping their hands together. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, fun times. Okay, now I know Tom has to leave early, but we still got, I guess, you still got about 10 minutes that you can stay with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, do you want to sure. discuss this thing about uh, some of the Sabbath albums? You don't consider <laughs> Sabbath albums oh, because Tony is probably the only guy that's on them. Yeah, <laughs> and I know, I, I, I know I'm alone almost completely on this, but for instance, Seven Star, Eternal Idol. Uh, Tear, um, Forbidden, I personally do not consider those Black Sabbath films. I consider those more Tony Iommi solo projects. I did not say Cross Purposes, if you'll notice. Geezer played with, uh, played on that album. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just to me, if you got two out of four guys, I, I, I believe you can call yourself that band. If you have one, <laughs> no. You got just one guy from a band. That doesn't mean you're that band, even though you are a huge part of it. Um, Headless Cross? No. Tony is the only Black Sabbath member that played on that album. I love that album. I love Cozy Powell, but I don't consider that Sabbath films. And everybody tells me, well, it's right on the front of the album cover. I know it is, but, you know, that's, that's a record contract thing. And you can tell me a million times I'm not going to consider those uh, Black Sabbath albums. Born Again, I do. It was Bill. It was Geezer. It was Tony. That's three quarters of the band. Yeah. It's yeah, a Sabbath album. Now, I, I was as, reading. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. No, I'm just, just basically it. If you got if you got Tony and Geezer together, that's a big part of the sound of Sabbath. 
Yes. So mm-hmm. I consider those Sabbaths. So I know I'm kind of out on an island on that, but it's just, I just don't. I, and I won't. <laughs> well, I was reading, reading through, <laughs> I couldn't read about everything because there's too many, as I said before, about singers coming and going. But there's a few moments where they didn't want to call it Black Sabbath, like the Tony didn't want to call it Black Sabbath. Yeah. Ian Gillen one even he didn't want to call it Black Sabbath, but the record label made them call it Black Sabbath for sure. And even yeah. some of the ones with Tony Martin, I don't remember which ones or if it was all of them, but he again he didn't want to call it Black Sabbath, but the right. label made him call it yeah. Black. Sabbath. And if if you recall, I believe I think it was maybe around Seven Star. It said Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. I believe. <clears throat> yeah, oh, you're right. Earlier. I, remember, yes. I remember reading that. Good point. I think yeah. that that was on some of the first pressings of those either seven star. I think it was seven star. In fact, I'm almost certain of it because I had a cassette and I think it did say Black Sabbath featuring Tony. I'm, not, Iommi, I'm, so, I'm 98% yeah. behind you, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. That's <laughs> the most I've ever heard before. <laughs> it's goofy, but it's just it's just me. It's just what I how I look at it. That's all. Well, yeah, they had like. Yeah, I know why the label wanted them to keep the yeah, name because people sure. will buy it because it's right. called Black Sabbath instead of calling it. Makes sense. Whatever. Yeah, it does. We, we comprehend the marketing aspect of it, but let's get real. We all know that is not Black <laughs> Sabbath. It isn't. <laughs> so there. <laughs> Well, see, I don't, you I don't consider correct. the, I don't consider you the Iron correct. Maiden albums of Blaze Bailey Iron Maiden albums. Ooh, that's <laughs> Me interesting. Too. Me really? too. Oh, Even though know. most of the band is Iron Maiden, except yeah. Adrian really? was gone, right, and Bruce was yeah. gone. That's. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting in a debate about whether. No, right, right. But yeah, I'm that's, just that's, saying that's, that I never listened to them anyway. But whatever, it's yeah. just. But we could go on about that on right. other bands too. <laughs> Maybe we will someday. That, <laughs> that could be a podcast unto itself. Right on, right on. And I didn't okay. bother because sometimes I've I've checked out set list of the website for how many times songs have been played live, but since. Ozzy went out on his own deal, set some albums. Ian Gillen, I wasn't going to try to bother trying to figure out how many times they played these songs live because yeah. there's so many different versions of people that were in the band. Yeah. Oh, did you know that Michael Bolton tried out for Black Sabbath? Oh my gosh. <sighs> I did not know that. Is Ooh. that a wives' tale or is that actual truth? Tony Iommi, this is for the Born Again album that they auditioned, oh. David Coverdale auditioned. And really? Michael Bolton auditioned, <laughs> but they picked Ian Gillen to do that album. And and didn't they seal the deal in some pub in England? And they got yeah, like they went out. Happy. Yeah, they went out drinking, and that was <laughs> I think <it>. they did. Next <laughs> thing you knew, I was in the band. Well, I'm sure Ian Gillen can drink. He's a big guy, and oh uh, yeah, that's what the song "Trash" is all about. Actually, yes. him at the recording studio in that area. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now we'll, be, anyway. we'll get Tom's. Uh, we're going to do our top 10 okay. Black Sabbath albums, ranking it from 10 to 1. I hope people put Ooh. them in order. <laughs> yeah, I got them. Yes. So sir. We'll, let, we'll let Tom go first in case he has to leave. So, Tom, yeah. you thanks, do your top thanks. 10. And I, before I do leave, it's been great hanging with you guys here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you very much. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, cool. So, okay, should I should I go all the way up the list, Blake? Sure, yeah. Start at number okay. 10. You can. Yeah. You don't have to talk a lot about each one. You can make no. some comments if you want. But 
Okay, so you're going to see a trend here, and my trend is going to be more of the Dio stuff is the higher up on my list because Ronnie is like, <laughs> my God. Um, 10, I got Sabotage. I really like that album. There's some really good stuff on there. And as far as some of the, like the, the, the older Sabbath, you know, towards the tail end of that first portion of Sabbath, I think that's the best one between the technical ecstasy and, you know, the... the never say dies and tech uh, sabbath bloody sabbath sabbath bloody sabbath is good but sabotage would be number uh, 10 on my book number nine uh i'm gonna put the devil you know the last one with the heaven and hell kind of lineup oh okay yeah eight. See, i was gonna mention that to blake yeah i was gonna yeah. mention that to, if that was considered if that was i'm just really gonna think, think, think about that <laughs> Since it yeah. does, doesn't have the Sabbath name, I wasn't sure. So I left right. it off, but I'm glad you brought it up, Tom. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I yes. am including the Good Heaven Hell slash Ronnie era because um, it is still the same band that recorded, you know, Mob Rules. Yeah. Um, eight, Master of Reality. That's a great album. I really like a lot of stuff on that album. It's heavy, really heavy, thick chords. Those songs written in those minor keys just really just, just memorable really cool stuff and here's one that is gonna i did use this because it still applies to my sabbath or sabbath not rule <laughs> number seven i love this album cross purposes holy smokes i love that album i play that whole album from start to finish i saw the tour bobby rondinelli on drums but you still have geezer and tony it's still those guys in unison that you can still feel that old groove going on between the two of them uh, number six, the album that started everything, Black Sabbath, self-titled. I had that way down at number six. I think everybody that's in the metal should have that album. If not, just to have it, just to own it. <laughs> yes. Um, five is our album of the show. That's Paranoid for me. And now we get into the more uh, Ronnie stuff and so on. Four, Born Again. That album is heavy. That's a great album. I got it's a horrible production job on it. My understanding though is they are gonna come up with a remix of that one, just like they did with Live Evil. I don't think it's gonna be by the same guy, but boy, if they can do some of the magic with that, that album's awesome. Uh, three is Dehumanizer. That is just a raw sounding heavy metal record. I love it. Plus, I love the tour. And I was so happy that Ronnie came back to the guys. They all got back together. Two Mob Rules. It's it's just an excellent album. Great tour. Great sound. Martin Birch producing. And Heaven and Hell is my number one. It's not only my favorite Sabbath album. It's my favorite album in the history of recorded music. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's an album that reintroduced very, very many to Black Sabbath. It's an album that introduced very many to black sabbath uh both ways um for me it reintroduced me uh, i knew who ronnie was at the time but that album is my favorite piece of recorded music of all of anything so that is my top 10 that's good cool man now do you so do you have to leave or are you sticking around yeah i, I well i'll i'm gonna have to depart okay um well, you're going to have to listen to the podcast and hear our guys. top 10. Just like, hey, here's, here's a little <laughs> promo. Now, uh, thanks a lot, you guys. I'm going to catch the promo. I'm going to catch the podcast later. And please, everybody out there, tell your friends. 
check us out, get on to the podcast, because I'm going to have to listen to it. So if I'm going to listen to it, why don't you all join me? <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tom. All right, you guys. Have Take it easy, Tom. It's been fun, man. Thanks so much. Hope to talk with you guys soon. Okay. Bye, Tom. Right. Okay. Take bye-bye. it easy, Tom. Okay, now I'll now Eric, I'll do my uh, top oh my ten mm-hmm. first, I That's guess. Good. Since we might as well end that on a positive note. <laughs> not that my <laughs> not that my list is negative or nothing like that, of course. But <laughs> I was actually surprised to hear "Born Again" was uh, Tom's fourth. So that makes me feel a little better about where I'm going to have them. <laughs> so now it was a little like. Like I said, I'm not a big Sabbath fan. Like I said earlier about, you know, I really like some songs like, you know, Symptom of the Universe. Uh, so heavy. Carries Wear Boots, whatever. Song. There's Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, Neon Nights, things like that. But I just never really loved full albums that much. There's always songs that, that I didn't like, like the couple on this album that I didn't really like or whatever. So that's my problem. No, I tried to, and like, it's been like 30 years probably since I listened to Paranoid fully. Like I would listen to Fairies Wear Boots and probably Iron Man once in a while, but I never listened to the whole album. And I tried to, and I went back to listen to the other albums, like Never Say Die and Master of Reality. And it's just, it's been so many years since I listened to them. So it's, you know, my top 10 list is kind of like, well, I like this song, this song, I'll just put this album because I like more songs on this one than I did on that one <laughs> or whatever. That so here sense. we go. Number 10, yeah. I got never say die. Oh, actually I forgot if I, I didn't think about the heaven and hell thing that Tom did. So mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have never say die on here. I'd probably have one of the heaven hell albums, but I didn't, I was just doing black Sabbath. So anyway, I'm doing never say die is number 10. Number nine, I got dehuman, sorry, dehumanizer. It, I didn't like it as much as like Tom really liked this one. I mean, he had a three because he had Dio one, two, three, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't like this as very, as good as heaven and hell or the mob rules. So I got it down at number nine, number eight. I have sabotage number seven. I have this album paranoid number six. I have Sabbath bloody Sabbath number five. I have master of reality. Number four, I have the debut album, Black Sabbath, which would have been, I guess, well, yeah, I told, I said I got those albums all at the same time, and I'm sure I listened to the Black Sabbath one first. Number That's three, a great I album. got, sorry, yes. And number three, I got The Mob Rules. And number two, I got Heaven and Hell. And of course, I've told you before that Born Again is my favorite Black Sabbath album, so I got it number one. And it's probably not even on your list. So let's go, Eric. What's your top 10? You are correct, Blake. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I wanted to mention this, but Tom had had the scoop. But maybe I need to give Tony Martin and Ian Gillen, maybe I need to give those guys a little bit more of a chance. Um, So, yeah, I don't have any of their albums on my top 10. Uh, The Devil You Know, um, I, I didn't consider it since we were talking Strictly Sabbath. That can be a runner up. Uh, I do actually like it. You know what? I do actually like it a little bit more than 13, but my list is number 10 is 13. Um, the end of, end of the beginning, you know, that's good. Um, I, you know, the, the whole album's pretty good. I uh, won't talk too much about it. Dehumanizer. Um, yeah, Tom had that ranked really high. You said number three. Yes, um, I think so. I, I'm not, I guess I'm not quite the, the, the Dio fan he is, um, but I, I do like it. It's heavy. 
And you can hear how he bring, carries some of that attitude into his Strange Highways and some of his solo work after that album. Um, Sabotage is number eight. Um, not one of the more consistent albums, but um, I mean, you know, Symptom of the Universe. Come on, uh, The Ritz, pretty cool. Um, you know, Volume 4, um, I like it. So, yeah, Sabotage was 8. Volume 4 is number 7. And it doesn't start off great. Um, but I got to say, from 5 through 10, it really finishes up really strong. I kind of feel like it should be a little bit higher on my list. But um, Under the Sun, Every Day Comes and Goes, I just listened to it an hour ago. It starts <laughs> off, it might be the first ever like doom song written. It starts off so deep and heavy. Uh, Iomi's tuned down to C sharp because, you know, he cut off part of a digit. So he had to tune that guitar down, but it's just so heavy. I learned it uh, several years ago. Um, but uh, Snowblind's on there. Um, Super Not, great songs. Um, I'm not even a ministry fan, but I think they do a pretty nice version of Super Not. Um, mm -hmm. moving on number six, I, I gotta say, this is where I'm feeling guilty. I will probably take some heat here. Uh, heaven and hell is six for me. Um, I love the beginning of the album. I feel like it gets a little bit weak towards the end. Um, die young is a great song. Heaven and hell is one of the best metal songs ever written. So it has to, it has to be on this list. Um, Lonely of the, is the word, walk away, like those last two, I did it out of order, but those last two, yeah, they're okay. Um, so Heaven and Hell is six, obviously you gotta love Children of the Sea, great two, Neon Knights, what an opener. Number five, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Um, I would have thought I would have had this a little bit higher. Yes, their keyboards, it's certainly their most progressive uh, output to date, but um, I mean, the title track itself is pretty amazing. Um, you know, the, the album, trying to find it now, because I had a nice little write-up, National Acrobat, track two. You have to be a hardcore Sabbath fan to be into the song. This just, it's not a well-known Black Sabbath song, but what a groove set by Tony Iommi. Uh, Ozzy's vocal harmonies in the bridge are some of his best vocals. I mentioned of his early days, I think ever. He is really spot on. Um, I don't know if he complete wasn't doing any drugs during this uh this uh you know album recording, but he sounds phenomenal. Iomi kicks on the wah in that middle section, and just uh those guys are really, really feeling it, National Acrobat. Um, I like the whole album. Moving on to Mob Rules. This is number four. Um this is one. Sign of the Southern Cross. I mean, you want to talk about epic metal masterpieces. What a phenomenal song. Um, obviously, the Mob Rules is a great tune. Turn on, you know, turn up the night. Great, fast, up-tempo song. Um, and then over and over, the closer is, it's not a ballad, but it's like melodic. It's kind of sorrowful. But there's a lot going on musically. There's a lot of harmony there. And Dio's just, he's putting it out there, man, heart and soul. And it, and it rocks, too. Um, that's why this one has to be a notch up above Heaven and Hell for me. 
that closer is just so much better to me than the last four songs on heaven and hell um master of reality is number three um what a crushing i mean uh end of the void i'm gonna sound like a broken record uh, another metal iconic guitar riff guitar song um it's one of the best riffs ever written um iomi is just just a beast and a genius um but the whole band really just kills it on that song um you got children of the grave the last time i saw ozzy solo they played that that was the best song they played mm -hmm. and uh, zach zach wild was playing it and he did it he did a great job um yeah and uh number two i got black sabbath i would not consider myself a huge blues fan but this album is filled with blues influences all over the place and it fits it uh the, the guys pull it off you heard tom about uh ward's drumming and you hear that the jazz the kind of eclectic um vibe that he brings um geezer doing his thing i mean he's got some blistering fills you don't always hear him sometimes you have to put the earbuds in and uh i did you can pick up on some things and obviously you know the recording techniques back in 1970 aren't certainly you know where they are these days and the equipment as well but uh ozzy sounds great you start out with that uh that super dark black sabbath with that tritone uh the rain full, you know the rain's pouring down with the bell um I love it, man. And it closes with, like I said, I like a lot of these kind of under the radar tunes, but a bit of finger, sleeping village, and warning. It's over 14 minutes long. Um, you're never gonna hear anything like that on the radio, but it starts <laughs> off with this mellow, these mellow minor arpeggios by Tony Iommi on, you know, on the clean channel and picks up and they rock it out with some power chords. Uh, they lay down this nice little groove, um, and it really jumps all over the place. Um, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely doing something uh, during the uh, recording of this album. But man, what a what a killer song! You got the wizard on there uh, with the harmonica. That was genius. Who would who would have thought that? Uh, Ozzy sounds great. Um, awesome, awesome guitar riffs. Um, I could honestly do a podcast on black the album Black Sabbath. But mm -hmm. then we have number one. We got number one, Paranoid. And at this point, Blake's like, oh, thank you, Eric. Okay. He's talked plenty about all this Ozzy <laughs> and Dio Sabbath. But uh, yeah, it's definitely one of my passions. I mean, next to Maiden, uh, you know, Sabbath is is it for me. Even, even more than Metallica and Priest might stun a few listeners out there. But uh, these guys really brought it and influenced generation after generation. And Paranoid, you heard it, one of the most consistent metal albums ever conceived. Um, War Pigs is, uh, wow, what a song, man. Um, you got the crowd singing along with Ozzy during those breaks. We already went, we went through a track by track, but, you know, it's just Iron Man one of the best riffs and one of the greatest hooks of all time on that one. And, uh, Electric Funeral, Fairies Wear Boots, just such, such a, uh, iconic album, man. It's great. Influential, iconic. You know, I, I could, I could play this and the number of the beast, you know, I could listen to them every day and not tire of them. That's, that's how genius this album is. So that's my top 10.
<laughs> okay. Now though, now I, as I look here through the first like eleven albums, only one album didn't appear, and that is Technical Ecstasy on anybody's list. Do you ever have you ever listened to Technical Ecstasy lately? I lately the answer is no. <laughs> I was looking over the track listing of that and Never Say Die, and I just I have a hard time getting into those two albums. And it's I know a the weird band, album cover. <laughs> yeah, the band. I want to say it was Sabotage. Maybe Tom can correct me. That was that should be the last album Ozzy did with the original, you know, the original Black Sabbath. That should be the the eighth and last. Um, I know the band. There was a lot of infighting on that album. You can hear it a little bit on the album. Uh, Dirty Women is a good song. Um, I was just not a huge fan of either of those albums, though. To answer your question, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really like Tom had uh cross purposes, I think it was. No, had no, was it headless cross or cross? I forget. So we just did it, but cross purposes or headless cross. I think it was headless cross on his list, but I never really listened to them much either. But like I said before, I didn't really listen like I listened to Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin, ECDC, whatever stuff more than I listened mm -hmm. to Black Sabbath, if you want to count mm -hmm. those bands as like pioneers or whatever. So yep, that's sure. why sense. it's not as passion to me as it is to you or to Tom like it was, because I had a bunch of other stuff listened to at the same time. But I do know how important, of course, Black Sabbath is, and that, that debut album is probably is everybody's, well, not everybody's, but most people's first heavy metal album or that was the first heavy metal album or whatever so i obviously right i do know how important it is and how influenced they were by everybody or how they influenced so many bands i mean and so many styles but yeah it's just not my thing but we can't i can't like everything <laughs> uh it would be boring if you know a podcast of two or three people all agreed on the same songs on the same albums it'd be a snooze fest well, this we is like the first. Listeners. I think this is we, the first we podcast we've really, we've really did where we had a really difference of opinion. So that's good. Definitely, I agree. I concur, man. It's definitely good to have some some varied opinions. Um, um, and if any, if anything, real quick, I, I mean, I, I, I legitimately do plan on checking out some some McGillan material with Sabbath a little bit more. Um, I've I've heard Born Again, but I just you know I can't tell you the last time I heard the whole album. And the Tony well, Martin stuff, I'll have to check out, you know, just give it a legitimate. I'll just have to give it, you know, an, an honest, you know, listen beginning to end. Well, the thing for me is that I love Born Again, but of course, I already, I already as I said, listened to Deep Purple a lot before Ian Gillen <laughs> was in Black Sabbath. If I didn't know who Ian <laughs> Gillen was, I might not even have given it a listen. But since I went, oh, Ian Gillen's going to be in Black Sabbath. <laughs> so, of course, I listened to it and I love his voice and his scream and and yeah the production isn't the greatest on it but there's still songs like trashed and zero the hero that i love but i know reading about it there's other critics that didn't like it and stuff but it still did pretty good but of course just like every metallica album does good now too anyway just because it has the name metallic on it so if it had the name black sabbath on it it did somewhat good no matter yeah. what but um, was there anything else I was going to, did you want to add anything else about black? We've I, already covered I, a lot here, but yeah, I think, uh, I think the only two things I was going to cover is, um, one thing, uh, I'll start off with, I don't know if I would call it a negative and then I'll finish with a positive, but 
for me, as I told you in that text message, it's really hard for me to compare like the Ozzy and the Dio Sabbaths. I've listened to more of the Ozzy Sabbath over the years, just listen to it more. But mm-hmm. Dio's voice is Dio's voice is just sensational. I mean, what an absolute performer, man. Um, and I love obviously, you know, I love Ozzy. I, I'm wearing the T-shirt right now. Not that you guys see us on YouTube. It's a podcast. But, um, you know, it, it's really hard for me. It was a little painful for me to do the 10 albums. I think I would have probably been better off staying with the top 10 songs, as you had mentioned before. But um, that was a little hard for me. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, I definitely like uh, you heard you heard how much passion I have behind Sabbath. So the only other thing I was going to add is honestly, the one thing I, I do appreciate, and I think a lot of uh, hard rock, heavy metal fans appreciate that really listen to the music that like Tom, you, myself, uh, other writers, um, you know, on the uh, metal pit, um, you know, appreciate. And, you know, we, we really admire is, these these artists, Ozzy and Dio, went on to have successful solo careers, and uh, I'm I mean I'm a huge fan of. You heard me perk up when I found out, you know, Randy Rhodes, you know, Tom got to see Rhodes that Blizzard of Oz. I mean, you want to talk about a landmark album? I uh, love those early Ozzy albums. Dio, <laughs> we did the podcast for Last in Line. I mean, that's that's a gem of an album, and I mean, Holy Diver, I like even more, um, but. Yeah, it's just, it's great that Sabbath spawned these, you know, these, you know, yes, they had other vocalists, but it spawned these two truly gifted vocalists and creative uh, visionaries to have these highly successful solo careers. Definitely yeah, thankful if you, there. If, yeah. if you count, like Ian Gillen is only on one album, but they had three of the best metal singers of all time, <laughs> or three of the most well-known metal singers of all time in one band mm-hmm. yeah. with those three yeah. guys. And no doubt, especially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, that's it, about it, like, yeah. If, yeah, you see, like a lot of, like they've got a lot of good reviews, like by different websites, whatever, like Rolling Stone Album Guide, and the, but it doesn't really tell you when they reviewed it exactly. <laughs> like if these reviews were done in 1970, or if these reviews were done like a few years ago when they're making because oh. i see it's in a bunch of lists like top 100 albums of all time or rolling stones top whatever but those are all done recently so it doesn't really say that but i know it's like i say we already said it's an important album just like the debut was an important one and it's just funny that they both came out the same year so <laughs> just kind of it weird. really is yeah. yes okay well, i think that's about it yes i think we covered everything I will remind everybody to check us out on our website. There's actually a review of the Live Evil uh, reissue that just came out recently that uh, one of our writers, Jim, did, I believe. Yes, Jim. So check that out if you like Black Sabbath and want to maybe go back and get Live Evil again, with which is, of course, with Dio's live album with Sabbath. And Two thumbs so, up to Jim. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so thanks, Eric, for joining me, and I will thank Tom again, and he'll listen to this and hear how great Born Again album really is, (laughs) even though he had a number four, so I was surprised. Okay, thanks, Eric, for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks a bunch. See you next week. Bye.